Hello, and welcome to the First Issue Club podcast. We're your weekly comic book show. We're just like Sue Storm. We love ourselves a good read. Man, oh man, it's the spooky season, and we're going to have that classic old debate, candy corn. Is it good, or is it filler? It is filler. It is filler. I like it. Okay, well, two against one. You Do are voted you like off the podcast. The pumpkin version of the candy corn. Oh yeah, I do. Oh my god, you are evil. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are they just they, they dissolve in your mouth as soon as you chew them. Maybe I'm an old soul, <laughs> or just have bad taste buds. An old taste bud guy. Uh, Where do you fall on Warthers? <laughs> I do like Werther's. Oh, no. Who great. doesn't like Werther's? Yeah, Werther's are good. It's just butterscotch, right? Not or a butterscotch. Caramel. Or caramel. Or caramel. I I don't... As Even as a kid, I never really liked a lot of gummy stuff or like those tubes of... Tubes? ...ooze that you would squeeze you into getting? your mouth. Oh. Preach. <laughs> Gogurt? <laughs> no, not Gogurt. <laughs> yeah. This I'm was just a... like sugar gel. I don't like gel-filled candies. I'm not a gel. I'm not a gummy. I'm not a squishy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a gummy man. I like sour gummy worms. Yeah. No, gummy is bad. I, <laughs> gummy, Vargas. Gummy bad. Gummy bad. We've I, I've been on the show that you hosted where we did this. Yeah. We talked about Correct. best oh, candies. Oh, really? This has been hashed out already. Yeah. Okay. Between us, anyway. That's me, Vargas, and that's Greg. And yeah. This is a Mike uh, D. I'm Mike D. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome trying to the show. Yeah. To, trying to talk about to get the audio start now. All right. What What's the piece of candy you were never trading as a kid? Um, like uh, Kit Kats. Kit Kats. I okay. coveted my Kit Kats. I was nerds. I loved nerds. Because sure. it came in like nerds was a bonus because it kind of it came in a fun box, box. Yeah. with like the sliders that came out yeah so it felt utilitarian like <laughs> you felt like a superhero like i'm gonna put this in my pouch and i'll be good to go <laughs> the presentation of this candy is just top notch did you guys get uh, the, like the bubble gum that was like in a round tube that you opened up and there was like one long string yeah uh, bubble bu- tape bubble tape bubble tape that another another thing is just like six feet of bubble gum for you it was fun because like the package was like a double thing because like yeah. when the, gu- the gum's gone, I can put yeah. whatever I want Or in there. Big League Chew. Big League Chew. Like the novelty. Yeah, you put it right there in the front of your lip like mm-hmm. you're chewing tobacco. Uh-huh. It loses uh-huh. its flavor in five seconds. Uh-huh. No, B- Big League Chew's known for keeping its flavor. Is that right? Yeah, Fruit Stripe loses its flavor. Oh, yeah. okay. Do you guys know the urban myth about Fruit Stripe? You can eat the paper that the gum comes in like it's supposed to be like Oh, because it's like wax. Yeah. yeah, sure. I'd buy that. That's an you urban myth? Most paper. Yeah. Though. Ooh. <laughs> I was expecting something weirder. Yeah, like it's, it's made from real zebras. It's, it's made out of flash. <laughs> Turned your jizz purple. No, that's nerds. no, that's confirmed. <laughs> You're very sick. <laughs> I am a sucker for suckers. Sha- mm, I should have said that. Uh, the shaped Reese's cups. Oh, the yeah. trees, the pumpkins, the bunnies. Do you think Eggs. they? Actually, yeah. yep. taste better. Yes, than yes. the normal Reese's. One thousand percent. They're they're, they're oilier. <laughs> they, they are. The they oil. are like they're fresh from the chocolate monster. <laughs> like whatever cloaca it comes out of. Yeah. <laughs> like it it's is a like Futurama. Yeah, it's monster. like it's like slurm straight from the animal. 
Like, I don't know what it is, and he's absolutely right. They must use natural peanut butter because it is oily as fuck. It just slides. It slides right down my throat. Yeah. Into my belly. It is. I, I can't explain it. I used to swear that the um, mac and cheese that was like cartoon characters tasted better. It does. And I think it's that those little shapes hold more cheese sauce. And they they're and the shapes they're hold more peanut. They're butter. firmer. Maybe firmer. that's what it is. It's a texture thing. I'm a very like texture yeah person. And these lo- cat dog macaronis Dude. are really hitting the spot. Look, I am a 35 year old man, and I will buy the My Little Pony mac and cheese over any other shape <laughs> every single time. And my fiance judges me for it. Yeah, <laughs> where are my apple jacks? You get more in the regular box. I don't give a shit. <laughs> they are crunchier this they way, and I like it. And I make enough money that I can buy whatever mac and cheese I want. I like my box mac and cheese al dente. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you just, it. You have just like a pocket full of dried macaroni. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> just needed some roughage. This is your candy now. <laughs> Trick or treaters. They're just getting the loose box of macaroni you know, poured in their bags. Cooked. With the cheese sauce oh, plopped sauce. in. Great. Do you guys remember last year we you came you came over to my house to do Halloween? Yes. And we were, we, we we saw were going trick or treat. We were going to hand out uh, comic books and a ton of candy. And yeah, we had one one gang of trick or treaters come by. To, they took zero comic books and about a handful of candy. I think in at least in the Midwest. The era of neighborhood trick-or-treating is starting to wane. It's dead. It's been replaced by the trunk-or-treats. Yeah, big time. The churches took it over. Churches, daycares, schools, daycares. Schools. Yeah. I have three trunk-or-treats planned this weekend. Wow. Kill me, please. <laughs> but all the free candy I can handle. Yep. I just bought the candy. And then I eat it. Yeah. And then I guarantee to get the candy I want. And then every two minutes you stand up and go ring your own doorbell and sit back down. Yeah, I don't have to do that. I can just. <laughs> My mom bought us a decorative candy bowl this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little pumpkin. So I reach into his mouth. I pull out a fun size Snickers and I put it in my face. You no guys, kid required. You guys do costumes for pets? I don't think my cats would like that very much. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I, well, my pet won't wear it. Yeah. My kids wear costumes, but. Can you imagine Neural putting on anything? I think Hell cats yeah. have a harder time with clothes than dogs for sure. Right. The age old yeah. <laughs> debate. You should get Neural a, a barrel costume. I want to get him a fucking coffin costume and just be rid, <laughs> and be rid of him. Oh, no. Neural rules. Neural's fine. He's my little sweet garage cat. <laughs> Christ. Louis gonna be a ladybug this year. I saw that costume as we oh, walked in. Adorable. It's pretty funny. Yeah. That, have you put it on him yet? Louis yeah. is Mike D's dog. We we put it on him. Um, and then I've been putting the hat on him like once a day and giving him treats. Oh my god! So, so she's we, gonna look like the little bee from uh the the local H video. The a blind melon. Blind melon. Yeah. <laughs> local H. Good local Lord. H. A much more obscure <laughs> band than <laughs> Blind Melon. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think by the time we get to Halloween proper, he'll he'll be leaving. The, he'll be comfortable enough with he'll the costume. He'll be full metamorphosed yeah. ladybug by uh-huh. then. Yeah, I am a ladybug now. Like these Halloween is gonna be very Kafka esque. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I dig <laughs> In it. In a very literal. I sense. dig it. Welcome, very immersive. 
Um, do you guys have, before we get into the first issues, maybe a spooky comic book that you like to read around this time? Or, or do you guys enjoy spooky comic books? I do. I'm really bad, though, at revisiting things mm-hmm. that I've already read before. So I'm not like a yearly serial reader. I do... One of my favorite graphic novels ever sitting over there, and my favorite thing is Monsters, is an absolute masterpiece. And yeah, it's also a marathon of a book to get through. It is. It's a longer read as far as graphic novels go, but that's one of my favorite kind of just like embracing the monster in you sort of a, sort of a book. It's heavy and depressing. Um, right up your alley. That <laughs> that stuff that stares you right back in your face. Yeah. And, the real monster is you. you who you are. <laughs> That's the real scary stuff. I I also think I've I've had this take before that while I I feel like I buy and consume a lot of horror comic books, they don't necessarily consume you. When I read a horror comic book, my mind is like it. It almost all seems like it pays homage to a genre. Rather than being like a spooky, scary experience. Yeah. Just because with the medium and seeing the stuff on the page, mm-hmm. it's like harder for a book to actually like haunt you. It I think. is difficult for a comic book to have a jump scare. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed Gideon Falls and like From Hell. Like those are spooky books if, that you want to check out that did a good job of. It wasn't like a you turn the page and you're just like, oh, but like it was a slow burn just like unnerving feeling the entire time. And that's where I think comic books really thrive as far as the spooky the, stuff. You're right that the slower burn stories are are better. You know, comics can't do jump scares, but there is something to be said about like turning a page and getting a big like splash page. Yeah. Um Department of Truth is like one of my favorite comic books running right now. Uh, really great for spooky season, but they did a like a one-off issue that was about the Mothman, and yeah. I talked about on the Patreon about how Mothman Prophecies is like a spooky movie for me. But they basically did an adaptation of it that inserted DOT characters, mm-hmm. and there was one page where they meet uh, Injured Cold, who's like an alien, and through the panels he's like walking up to the car, and then you turn the page. And one of the pages is his full face. Yeah. He's just right there. And he's got this big, like, creepy-ass grin on, and his eyes are super wide. And it's, like, so unsettling, because you're not expecting, like, Mm -hmm. a full page of creepy face. I think comic books really need to start looking into the technology of doing, like, a jack-in-the-box kind of (laughs) pop-out thing uh, for those scarier books. So when you do turn the page, it's just like, it like jumps out and gets you. Yeah, the I'll '90s see. are coming back with those gimmick covers. Oh but... yeah, get that Jack in the Box variant, folks. Uh, people, one in one hundred. People always say Immortal Hulk was one of those books that was kind of like written to be a a horror or kind of like. I, even though I I read it and I don't necessarily like think of it as a horror comic, maybe it like leans into some of the tropes or borrows from some horror things, but um, it was really effective at doing those like flip the page here's like a crazy splash page of yeah. like either something very gory or maybe it's like one line from the hulk and you're just like looking into his eyes and you're just like oh shit he really said that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think for marvel it's kind of horror ish it yeah. definitely was like a psychological thriller you know yeah. exploration into the mind of the man and the beast controlling the man mm-hmm. kind of thing so i mean 
It was a it was a cool creepy book for sure. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to do that for too many issues with the Hulk. Because it's like, yeah, he's like Frankenstein. But how long how long are we gonna make it like this somber Frankenstein story before you're like, hey, it'd be fun if uh the Fantastic Four showed up, right? <laughs> well, Concrete did it for 20 years. So. Well, I, yeah, the 50 issues, I guess, is how long they're going to do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's over, baby. Yeah. Well, 50 it, issue slow burn. I'll say, yeah, I, I, it did get very superhero-y. And, Once uh, they started into... Yeah, Doc like, Samson. Came yeah, all the, all the Gamma Flight stuff. Yeah. Like that, you can't have Gamma Flight in there and still call it like a proper horror thing. Well, and they started like... like Rick Jones is now the abomination and the abominations like made of hands and yeah. Oh yeah. That was a cool design. Red Mm -hmm. she Hulk is like a harpy. Yeah. You know, they started like putting like a horror twist on other characters too. Yeah. It almost became like an else world kind of reinterpretation of the, the Hulk mythos mythos and like just series in general. Did they ever resolve a harpy storyline or is she still, a harpy. She's still harpy as of like Secret Defenders. Al Ewing wrote that, and she was in it. Yeah, that's right. Or Defenders. Sorry, Defenders. Defenders. So she's just. Oh, that's flo- right. She was. She's just floating out there in the Marvel universe, still a just uh, hanging out. And and that's uh, Betsy Ross, right? Yeah. Like Hulk's girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks for her. Well, former. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Phil is Philip Kennedy Johnson doing the uh-huh. Hulk, yeah. Hulk run Hulk right run. now. Okay. I that got... is a small piece of news. <laughs> They're introducing a World War II Ghost Rider in that Hulk series. Yeah, and he's riding like an old Harley Davidson and has like an M1 Thompson on his head. It looks sick as fuck. It's pretty cool. So something's going on with Cosmic Ghost Rider too. He's like an alternate reality version now. Mm. Like they've they've twisted it enough where it's like it's it's not the Frank Castle we know kind of thing. So it's it's. Uh, I'll, th- I'll read into it more, but Stephanie Phillips is doing a fucking crackerjack job over there. It's one of those things where they don't have to think about it when it's originated as like a fun little like bit blip or bit. And then people love it so much. And then they do like four miniseries and you're like, now we kind of have to figure out where it actually Yeah, <laughs> We need to flesh in. this guy out, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I got this email today and it's it was a Quora question. If you don't know what that is. I explain it more in a Patreon episode where it's basically just like random questions, like a Yahoo Answers thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the question was, what is Howard the Duck's powers? He has none. He is a master of quack foo, but he has no powers. Okay. Because I, I didn't get a chance to open the email, but I just saw the subject line. I was like, I don't know if I know that answer. He has no powers. He is from He a is planet. a duck. He is a plan- from a planet of duck people. Mm-hmm. He knows his version of karate, Quack Fu, mm-hmm. and that is it. And he's a litigator? He's a detective. Detective, right. I feel like... Detective? I, I feel like I read a story once that confirmed that his power was luck or something. Oh, so he's like domino? Oh. He's like a domino type. Dumb luck. Yeah. But not like useful luck. Like he doesn't win the lottery. No, but like but he'll find like, the piece of paper that points in the direction he'll, of. He'll fall off of a building, land in an awning, and go boing and be fine. Oh, he's got plot armor. Is he Mr. Magoo? <laughs> yeah, he's Mr. Magoo. <laughs> he has plot armor. <laughs> oh, wow. We are 
you fixed it. your lighter. I was playing with it, and I thought I broke it, but we're back in business. Well, now that we have all the fun banter out of the way, should we get into said comic books? Oh, before, did you get a chance to read Beneath the Trees yet? Uh, you told us that you... Yeah, uh, which one's Beneath the Trees? The one I talked about. The murderous... The murder bear? Like, no, I ordered Richard it. Scary style... Yeah, no, Dexter's it story. sounded so good when Vargas was talking about yeah. it that I got on okay. later that night and I, was just I like, ordered it. I wanted to hear what your thoughts about because I read it and it was just blew me so good. through the roof. It was so good. Yeah, One of the most unexpected hits of 2023. For sure. In fact, IDW had a convention exclusive foil cover of the B cover, mm-hmm. the one that looks like the... The, the book? Yeah, the book. Mm-hmm. But it was like fifty bucks. God damn it! Why too do much. That? Yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> that's not fun to spend fifty dollars on a book you really love. Yeah, like it's just out of the reach of like attainability. You know what's also not fun is that sitting on a cactus. <laughs> God, it's so right. And I'm glad we finally got to this on First Issue Club. I feel like you go to these conventions and it's like, okay, there's all these convention exclusives. It's so fun that I got to be here to get the convention exclusives. Everyone's going to either, there's tons of people who as individuals sell the convention exclusives online, which is like one thing you can't prevent. But the other thing that blows my mind is that retailers order so many of these that they plan to sell them online and they still are like the NYCC exclusive foil cover of something is killing the children 30 and it's $40 and every store seems to have a thousand copies like a thousand copies of this thing and it's like it kind of takes the fun out of going to a convention and being like oh yeah I'll spend 30 bucks on a book and um, them ship it to me. I'll be one of the only people who has it versus, you know, anyone. People can buy it on sale for less than I got it for yeah. being at the actual convention. At and that point, it becomes less of an exclusive. Yeah, right. <laughs> it just makes me more bummed thinking about uh, I'm going out to L.A. Comic Con soon. And you're thinking about like, oh, what cool convention exclusives might I be able to get my hands on? And it's like. It's almost not really a thing anymore. No. Well, that might be a good litmus test. Send us a picture of a con exclusive yeah. that you're interested in or you pick up, and we'll see if we can find it online get somewhere. Your hands Before on you it. get home. <laughs> yeah. Well, right? Like, let's try it. Yeah. Have the, the rubber hit the road. Yeah. I think that's a good experiment. Yeah. Stay tuned. First science club. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> All right. Andy, lead us away for oh. the first issues of the week. Dope. Um, so I only read two this week. I wanted, I got gone, but I haven't read it. Oh, from it Distillery. Yet. From Distillery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I did read this week was Alan Scott Green Lantern. This is the third of their three uh, new Golden Age mm-hmm. books. Um, so this is the original Green Lantern, takes place back in the 40s or whatever, um, much like the, the, Wesley Dodd's Sandman book that I talked about the other week. Yeah. Um, as revealed, I don't know, a while back, uh, DC has retconned this Green Lantern to be uh, gay. And this story leans into that 
really hard and really well. He mm-hmm. does look very fabulous on this cover. Oh, he looks great. Um, would they say? Would you say retcon to that, or just like full, maybe? Or just ex- added it. Added I, yeah, it. I yeah. Guess they, I mean, because I don't. Was his sexuality a, a main point of his character? Like, was he married before? Yeah. Well, that's you say that, and it's like I've never read any like classic Green Lantern. Yeah, I don't, so I don't, I don't know. know shit about Alan Scott. He's gay. Uh, <laughs> that's he's now, got blonde hair. Yep. Um, <laughs> be a fat, beautiful cape. Yeah. Um, so this this book takes place around that, and it's not just. The nice part about the story is it's not like, I'm Alan Scott, the gay Green Lantern. Now here's a story. Mm-hmm. Like, it has a purpose. Yes. Um, He is in love with, like, an army buddy that he met, you know, while he was in the service. And... uh, How long ago did this retcon happen? Is this comic, like, his coming out party? No. No. He's, he's been out for a couple of years. Okay. In fact... What, there's a backup story that leads into this that was in the last uh, DC Pride okay. anthology, um, but that that whole that DC Pride anthology thing leads into this, um, yada yada yada. He meets this guy. He's getting blackmailed by the FBI because they f- found out who he is, like IRL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a member of the Justice Society. He's got this Green Lantern persona. They find out that he's Alan Scott. They're blackmailing him with the fact that he is a gay man. Okay. To be more a part of the Justice Society. Because the FBI wants the Justice Society to be like the team. He they want America to get behind the Justice Society. And this Green Lantern is very much like a solo guy. Uh-huh. Right? He's on the team, but mm-hmm. he's like, I work better by myself. Sure. So the FBI... A real Batman type. Yeah, exactly. A real Batman type. Uh, So the FBI is like, we're going to out you unless you start, you know, being a team player. Yeah. Um, And this is the FBI, not the Justice Society. Correct. Can you imagine if his friends... (laughs) God, like... There's well, like Alan Scott's just like I kind of want to take a break from the JSA, and they're like fat fucking chance, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell everybody. Well, that, but that's the whole thing. It's like not only that, but they know his secret identity. So it would be like if the FBI went to Batman and they were like, "Hey, we know you're Bruce Wayne and you're gay, and we're gonna tell everybody both those things unless you're in the Justice League more." <laughs> God, right? Like. That's horrifying. And it terrible. is. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a double whammy. Like, as, like as Alan Scott, what are you more afraid of? Like people knowing, like, because like, right. like his character Alan Scott isn't out as a gay man. Well, and it's in, in the forties. In the forties, so that's like not a small thing. No. Um, so on top of all of that, right? You get this kind of back and forth where you you get the history of him and this uh, army buddy that he's fallen in love with. Um. The end of the book, the big reveal, spoiler alert for anybody who wants to read it, um, pretty sure they're going to reveal that his army buddy is the Golden Age Red Lantern. Oh. And because Green Lantern finds a guy who was both drowned and burned at the same time, and it was like, it's implied that it was a former lover. Got it. So I think this guy that he knew from the past got taken by the Red Lantern ring, yeah. turned into Golden Age Red Lantern, and is killing people that Alan Scott has like either fallen in love with or gotten to know really well. 
Ooh. And is... then and then you have that FBI thing going on in the background too. Yeah. So the Red Lantern is bad. Yeah. Okay. Red Lanterns are typically pretty bad. Okay. Red means stop, green means go. Being a uh, lantern noob, if you will. Sure, I don't know shit about the different colors. I think it'd be really funny to do something with these, like, golden age characters Mm -hmm. that brought in, like, the canon of the modern lantern mythos of, like, you're in the 40s, they're still dressed like this, which is, like, a very dated-looking costume. Yeah. And then the lantern core, who is, like, not really sleek. Not really beholden to time, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. out in outer space, yeah. like like in unisex, like thousands leotards. of years advanced technologically. Starfleet and, boots. And like to see them interact with an Alan Scott type character and then like other people on Earth be like, Whoa. Yeah. Look at those tight fitting costumes. It's like if hubba hubba. It's, yeah. like, it's like if Alan Scott like showed up in like bell bottoms or something, or just like yeah. a, like a very definitive like fashion flower child. Yeah, like. just like hey man, peace and love. I mean, he's wearing a very billowy blouse here. <laughs> That's a fucking cape, my guy. He's oh, in we- the blouse, yeah. Oh yeah, he's wearing like a coral blouse. Yeah, he almost, he looks like a like a buccaneer. Like he yeah. should be like a swashbuckler. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this this book was super super good. Um. I did not read the Flash book that they did, uh, the the Jay Garrick Flash book, but I'm probably going to pick that up just based on the strength of these other two books. But yeah. this book was awesome. Um, I know that the uh, the writer, I want to say, it's Tim Sheridan. Um, he did. Oh, a, where do I know that name? He yeah. did a big social media push to get this book out there because, of course, all the uh, coolest most online people are throwing a fit about this book because it features and stars a gay man well and like it's they... the old heads who like yeah actually remember this character yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's the same people who are just like spider-man has to be white it's like they none of these people have to be anything yeah because like it's all fictional <laughs> and like it, it, it just blows my mind because you can't rationalize with the entrenched thinking of those people, young and old, it, 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 right. it escapes age. It's just like prejudice against progression, really. Well, yeah. It's This is a very good book, too. Like, beyond all of that. Mm-hmm. And you're doing yourself a disservice if you judge this book before you read it. Okay. That's Alan Scott, Green Lantern. Alan Scott, Green Check Lantern. Check it out. It's worth it. Um, and I'm pretty sure all of these are going to be like limited series, although they mm-hmm. don't say it. But I can't imagine it goes past five. Not in a bad way, yeah, but just like five or 12. You get, you know, you get your get story a, told in a yeah, yeah. five or 12 series. Um, but I, I'm also very excited to see what DC has to do with this like dawn of new uh, golden age, characters. golden age characters. If they're going to do like more of that. I, I know absolutely see... nothing about the golden age. I think. I think the designs are super cool. I love the idea of like these old yeah. characters getting like modern stories told. Well, and they seem almost like the, the superheroes have to rely a lot on their like gumption, yeah, or like their the, like their ingenuity. And it's just like you know, oh no, Walrus Man has stolen the hot air balloon. We must we stop him. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I'm super stoked. I would love to see this book kind of blow up and really stick it to people that aren't stick it to bigots yeah stick it to bigots because fuck those people yeah 
And it's got, I'll say I'm on a League of Comic Geeks, and it's got an 85, which is a pretty good score for... A comic book? Uh, Yep, exactly. And I think this is one of those things, too, where you're just hearing... You're hearing from people who don't actually read comics that yeah. they're mad. About the loudest stuff. voices yeah. somehow rise to the top. But yeah, exactly. Us real ones know. Yeah. It's a good fucking book. So this book slaps. Um, the other book I read was Dracula, James Tinian and Martin Simmons, the team behind Department of Truth, teamed up to do this Skybound series. I have thoughts. Okay. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts first. Uh,. First thought, fresh out the gate, Ryan uh, Reinfeld looked a lot like Robert Smith from The Cure. You are correct. He absolutely <laughs> looks like Robert Smith from The Cure. And boys don't cry. Yes, um, I it, it it was like it was unlike any Universal Dracula story that I thought I was going to get. Yeah, take that for what you want. Yeah. Uh, there was some cool imagery where Reinfeld is like eating bugs mm-hmm. that I thought was kind of uh, fun. I loved the attachment that he has to Dracula and the dedication of just like, I, I am unhinged to what? Universal Monsters. He was Dracula. just helping me out find it, finding it online. Oh, he, sorry. Uh, and I, I, I liked that aspect of like, uh, y- you can understand how Dracula is. It, it, he's kind of more portrayed as like this sexy monster of like, you know, I am an, the ultimate manipulator. And you really see that through Reinfeld and him just being like basically like a lackey yeah. of Dracula. I, yes, I like. So what, what I'm I, getting the likes out of the way. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> um, so I genuinely loved this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the. I'll say relatively new spin for me. Uh, The idea that Dracula is more of a force that is impacting the world around him Mm -hmm. and less of like a guy on the street doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So like to your point, Renfield's in this asylum and that's, that's where we learn about Dracula is like through this person Mm -hmm. that Dracula has completely absorbed mentally. Yes. Um, so, so what I got from that, and tell me if I'm reading this wrong. So I thought that Dracula and, is it Reinfeld or? Renfeld. Renfeld came on the boat together. They did. from trans- and, and Dracula is the person who killed everyone on the boat. Correct. Okay. And, is and everyone thinks it's Reinfeld. Because. Renfeld. Because he's the, oh, Renfeld. he's a human. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's the only person they found because Dracula was in his coffin. Yes. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. So he is. So he's close by. So he has like his like, <laughs> like this help three sixty app attached to Renfeld of just like I need blood, pretty fucking soon. Yeah. Well, like, Renfeld's is familiar. So Renfeld yes. does all of his like daytime stuff. Wait, is this him. set in modern times? No. No. Okay. It's it's in past times. Okay. <laughs> like black and white picture at Ridgemont High past times. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, he's basically just like his errand boy. Just like, I yeah. need my dry cleaning picked up. Uh, like, can you p- go get some laundry detergent for me? And also 16 quarts of blood. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is cool, this, cool. So far, we're good. Is the comic more like Renfield's story? It's told... Ar- 
So, he's used as a framing device. Okay. Yes. What I've heard is, so the, so how the story goes is he is in an institution right now because he was picked up off the boat for committing, for allegedly committing these murders yep. on the boat. And this is where we get the story of Dracula told to us from him through the psychiatrist. Does that make sense? What, uh, Ren, I, lost, telling, I lost you there on like who the narrative is coming Renfeld from. Renfeld is telling the psychiatrist of the institution about Dracula. Oh, he's being honest to the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist is just like, you're a crazy person. You have bad blood. Yeah. You have blood poisoning. We're going to take it all out of you and put new blood in, which is a real fucking thing that they did. And still do. Yeah. Hey, baby. Um, I read in uh, some some news on on the comic book websites that that's going to, the psychiatrist may be the through line of the Universal Monsters books through Skybound. Like, He's the linchpin. Yeah. Like all the either victims or actual universal monsters will be connecting through him. And probably Van Helsing. Yes. Like Van Helsing's the professor they talk about. mm -hmm, Yeah. Like, yeah. So this is like their Arkham Asylum, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. All the all the monsters are gonna be staying here. It'll stay within the Universal Monsters group. They're not like yeah. going into like spawn or anything like that. Uh, one can only Holy hope that, the, that Dracula shows up in Speak Void Rivals. Speak it into existence. <laughs> so you guys would be happy with Optimus that. Prime V you, <laughs> Invisible Man. Do you think so? We I can't remember. We might have been talking about this on the Patreon, but there are some people we we kind of talked about how there's a camp with the Universal Monsters who are like, yeah, this stuff is sacred. Don't yeah. do anything with it. Yeah. It's the same people who this scream would, over not getting their Harry Potter house. This would like really piss those people off if Dracula showed up and like Spawn or Spawn showed up in Dracula. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, they would lose their fucking minds. Yeah. Okay. So what what didn't you like about this book? I want to hear your criticisms. The the only criticism I has was the pacing was kind of uh, loose, like the 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 blocking of the most of the panels. It it flowed differently, which which was intentional. Yeah, it was an intentional disorienting flow of the book yeah. to kind of mirror how people kind of look at this guy in this institution. Like he's he's kind of unhinged. Yeah, you don't hire Martin Simmons to do a nine panel grid. No, <laughs> no, Darkseed is this is not. Yeah, exactly. So like that that took me out of the story a little bit. Whoa, However. Boy. G- gorgeous martin simmons just fucking master yeah, just blew it out of the park the second criticism i have is i think there should have been a double issue yeah i i wanted this to breathe out a little bit more yeah the i i get where you're coming from the the it's i know it's mina harker and her lucy mm-hmm. that stuff is kind of interjected oddly uh-huh into yes it's the, the, it's the wives yeah kind of like going through the notebook of just like oh we're not supposed to be reading this yeah this men conversation yeah exactly that stuff is interjected yeah because it's just a standard size comic mm-hmm. um i could yeah i'll buy that but it is very good and yeah. if you are a fan of universal monsters or uh you know this dynamic team of martin simmons and james tianyan you will not be disappointed this this delivers on everything that you want I just wanted, I just wanted a little bit beefier premiere issue. Yeah. I mean, this is Skybound 
has been toting this for months now that hey we got universal monsters why wasn't this bigger yeah you know like you know what i mean like why wasn't this given a more bombastic premiere issue yeah or or even if they did like i mean square bound this fucking thing yeah well i was gonna say like if if they did the firepower route and did like a trade Mm -hmm. for 10 bucks yeah that's like dracula volume zero yeah and then this is issue one telling you know the rest of the story or whatever yeah like all all stories bleed out from the issue zero trade of universal monsters at skybound yeah that's all that was my only criticism writing a plus art a plus yeah it'll it'll probably read better in trade as most things do but i mean that's i I can't give it a full uh, that's that's not what we do here we have to have some knocks totally i'll and i will allow you you'll allow my knocks thank you so much (laughs) so what do you what do you think mike d as the as the universal monster skeptic i know you weren't chomping at the bit to read this no i'm definitely gonna read it um yeah, don't have a take on it just yet. If you noticed my silence, my deafening silence. Yeah. Um, total just, total alpha move. I just haven't gotten my hands on it yet. And I'm going to read anything Tinian does, at least give the first issue a try. So, yeah. Um, it, the, the, I, I just, I'm, I'm inundated with Dracula stuff. I thought it was funny. I was looking for this book on um, League of Geeks just now so we could have some info on it up as we were talking about it. And. I couldn't find it for a while because there's literally like a million seven hundred different series that have Dracula in the title already. So it's like there is just a lot of Dracula stuff out there already, mm-hmm. and some good, some not. Yeah. Oh, you gotta I, put you gotta put Dracula parentheses not dynamite. Then it'll come, <laughs> then up. It'll come up pretty quick. <laughs> or Dracula motherfucker from Eric Anderson. Yeah. I I did like that. That book. was a fun book. Um, it's a quick read. Um, the, I did, I did just see Renfield, the, oh, the Nick Cage movie, the Nick Cage movie. It It was fun. fun. Yeah. I liked it though. It centers around Renfield's relationship with Dracula and him real recognizing that like a codependent relationship is a thing. Mm -hmm. And so he goes to a like support group and, uh, finds how to live his own life and be his own self. And then is of course at odds with Dracula because of that. And uh, they did a really good job with it. I think they should have cut out all of Aquafina's story. I didn't need the cop story. Yeah. That was kind of shoved in there. Wasn't it? Yeah. They needed to like pad time or something. Yeah. But other than that, it was, or get like a romance in it to have it made. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, this comic book, that movie, uh, what we do in the shadows, like, yeah. I, I love the reexamination of the vampire like uh, uh, identity or like what yeah. it really is. One of the best thing, one of the best things I've seen that's kind of like take another look at vampire lore was uh, Midnight Mass. Was that the name of the movie? Yes, Mike or show Flanagan's Midnight Mass is a. M- Fucking Did you watch that, Greg? I watched YouTube clips of it that explained what it was. <laughs> YouTube oh. clips. I didn't know going into it that it was like uh. a, a quote unquote vampire thing. And as you're slowly like learning what's happening and realizing you're in a world where people don't have the mythology of vampires and are trying to make sense of what it is, 
It was so cool. Dude. It had so many moments that like left me crushed at the end of the episodes. When they go out on the boat. Oh yeah. I was I like <laughs> I was like, I have I can't watch the next episode. Oh. Like I have to take a whole day. Dude. Well <laughs> and the 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 paralleling of religion with vampirism yeah. is like so poignant and I cannot believe mm-hmm. nobody thought of it. Until like the year of our Lord twenty twenty two or whatever. Yeah, that was so stinking good. Such a banger. Yeah, vampires gotta love them. They suck. Boo. <laughs> uh, I read <gasps> Giant Robot Hellboy by yes. Mike Magnola and art by Duncan uh, Fagrido. Um, I mean the it's in the title. Hellboy is a giant monster. Hellboy is kidnapped and put into a uh, like laboratory mm-hmm. with a big metal thing over his head, and his consciousness is transported into a giant version of himself, like a mech. Okay, essentially. Mech. Hell yes. And he is transported to this island where something um, involving giant monsters, something involving the occult, classic. Hellboy stuff is happening, and so uh, he's just basically trying to figure out why he was kidnapped and why he's here now. And there's the side story is there's like a group of they almost kind of look like a a, a a a super team of some sort of like scientists who are like all in the same yellow jumpsuit and are like very excited to be like piloting this robot thing. Yeah, they're like they're old. Fortress had been taken over by some creature. And so they're trying to figure out if the stuff in the vault is still there, if the creature's still there, why it happened. So it's like a big occultist Hellboy as a giant robot smash him up thing. Uh, it rules. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's great. It, it is exactly what you think it is. There's nothing. Is that a one of three? Yeah. Yes, it's, it's a mini. So it's Hell a small yeah. investment. But I mean, you know, yeah, you got Mike McNola. Back with Dave Stewart doing yeah. colors. Like, those two yeah, are the dream they're, team. Their A cover is pretty rad. Um, so, definitely one one of three. I would definitely say trade weight it because, like, sure. it's going to read fantastic in a trade. I also read something that I was not expecting. And I, I, I please everyone go out and buy this book. It blew me away. It is called Paladin of Axes from Image Comics. It's by Jerry Duggan, David O'Sullivan, and Joe Sabino. It is a full-on 72-ish, 72-page one-shot. Oh, big old thick boy. Yeah, um, that Jerry Duggan has been slowly writing with uh, Dan David O'Sullivan on his substack, and they finally released it for the spooky season. Got it. It is like... <laughs> it is like... Uh, Quantum Leap meets Doctor Who meets Invasion of the Body Snatchers meets Twilight Zone meets Whoa. Elves. Like, it is funny. It is, like, poignant. It is, like, it, it, it is visually incredible. And there there comes a point in the book mid, mid-story where it does this flip, like, just kind of goes a full 180. And you get a story that you had no idea you were going to get. And it just, it was the surprise hit of the week for me. It was just a, a, a freaking delight to to read it. So, Hell yeah. 
if you are into um, just like long form one shot, you know, one and done stories uh, by amazing creators, like this book is like it's like six ninety nine too. Like it's just a an easy Hell investment yeah, for sure. You, you can go get it on uh, like Omnibus or something. Just yeah. you know, if you're a digital reader, just you know, cruise through it. It's it's super super good. Axes refers to guitars here. It does. Okay. Hell yeah. It, it, this looks like a pick. Yeah. yeah. The the. <laughs> so if you want more in, info on the story, this guy right here, the paladin, our boy, dies in a plane crash. He's part of this like 1970s supergroup. He's the he's the roadie. Okay. And like he later finds out that the guitar that the lead singer has has is cursed, and so when he's laying dying in this plane crash, a portal opens up below him, and these like elves that you see surrounding him pop out of the ground and take the guitar of just like oh thank god we found yeah the guitar and the guy's like please say it like please save me i'm dying and so they recruit this guy to go around and find other cursed instruments that the devil made oh, oh that's that fucking to, rule. to that ruin the really world cool. yeah and so it's just like his story of going on these missions fighting with these little elf creatures and like basically trying to get back to the love of his life back in 1975 that rules and it's just man it was it was a good good time so oh, rad okay um i'm i'm a little bummed it's only one yeah but you know nothing gold can stay because i would love to see many more stories of him going through time to hunt down uh cursed in- instruments musical instruments I mean, Jared Duggan does short stories really good, though. Like, yeah. Secret History of the War on Weed and yeah, but, Giant Cockjew. But I mean, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> but like, he could still do that totally with this book. Yeah. Like, it would just be like one shots every year, like another entry yeah. into the Paladin of Axes. Yeah. Maybe, like, maybe it'll be uh, Paladin of Axes is, is the new uh, Axes of Evil. The new Klaus. Uh, and then finally, I read Tony S. Daniels. Edenwood? Yeah, that's the demon one, right? Have you read it? No. It, was, it looked really good. It was very beautiful. I'm, I'm getting amber alerts on my phone. Sorry, yeah, I'm everyone. Amber alerts <laughs> if you hear the buzzing, we're getting an amber alert here in Missouri. Um, yeah, Edenwood. Uh, it's from, from Tonius Daniel. It was visually incredible. Um, it was <laughs> confusing at best. Yeah, I even I read the description and I was like, I have no idea what this guy. Well, because about. he fucking drops you into the middle of the story, page one, and sure. I was like, Tony, you can't be doing that. I need a little more of a setup here. And by the end of it, you you kind of have a better idea, but uh, really, I mean, this is probably a passion project for him because like he is very invested in these characters that he's created and the world he's created. Sure, a lot of lore. A lot of lore. I just needed like a compendium. Yeah, yeah. Before this, to like kind of brace myself with maybe some maps or some like faction groups or something. What I'm hearing is you should read this. Not maybe not in even in trade, but like in a hardback. Yeah. When when first two volumes. When all I'm assuming 55 issues comes out (laughs) of this book. Uh, uh, it's going to be great. It it looks incredible. The character design in this is bananas. Um, The first line of the synopsis starts with an eons long series of multiverse wars 
between demons and witches has found its way to Earth. Uh, that is not explained. Yeah. Seriously, that is not explained till the last three quarters of the book. Yeah. Like, like the last fourth of the book is when you're just like, oh, yeah. we're on Earth? What the fuck? Again, that, that is a lot of lore. Uh-huh. That is a lot of D&D. Yeah. Which is, I mean... Totally cool. Yeah. That means it's going to pay off. Yeah. If you, like, stick with it. Totally. But for me, as how I like to ingest comic books and, like, yeah. how I in, 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 intake stories... I could not get my footing. Totally. And when I can't do that, when I can't find my footing, it's a lot of me flipping and reflipping back pages and I'm taken completely out of the story. Yep. Not a bad book though. It's just like I needed I needed a little yeah. more hand holding for what a second. Was this the cover you got? Uh a cover A, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, sexy characters, guys in masks, capes. It's, it's Tony Daniel. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Oh, well. Dope. Mike, did you have some stuff you wanted to cover? I just grabbed a couple books out of my short box that are from a couple weeks ago, but I I went with a spooky theme. Hey, spooky scary. Of course, you can't have a Halloween episode without talking about Cullen Bunn. Of course. We so, recently couldn't have any episode not talking about Cullen Bunn. <laughs> so I read The Midnight Show, which is a small town, has a little art house theater and there they get their hands on a copy of this like old Hollywood oh, cursed movie horror movie that's supposed to be lost to time they get their hands on it and as each of the kind of universal monsters is introduced in the movie they show up in that town too oh. that's amazing Hell so yeah. you're they're con they're throughout the the series they're contrasting like what's going on in the movie and then every other panel is like in town, and then the other panels are like in the movie. Holy shit! So that's, really cool. That's the uh, six gun team, right? I was gonna say the six gun team. It's Brian exactly Hurt, right. Yeah. Cullen Bunn and Bill Crabtree. Bill Crabtree I think, and Jim the, Campbell. Yeah, they're back in the saddle again, <laughs> ready to ride, but less in the saddle because this is not a western. Yeah, they're back in the theater again. There it is. So that I thought it was really fun. Um, is so, it a one and done or is it? No, it's okay. a, it's I think it's a short series. And then Welcome to Riverdale. Did anyone cover this? Uh, not yet, you, but I read it. It's you read cool. It. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Um, it's a Chilling Adventures Archie Comics. So you know you're in for a good time. Story, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where they, they kind of let these go over the top a little bit. And this was, I don't know if it was close to any like archetype. That is that the, the Camp Slasher one? No, okay. it's not. That's... I do start to confuse these Archie horror titles because they do so many one shots now mm-hmm. and they all run together in my head, but they've got the new witch character. Oh yeah. Who is like, you know, a foil to Sub- Sabrina now. Mm-hmm. And it's like Amber or something. Does that sound right? Um, in any mm-hmm. case, she's the baddie in this comic and she escapes like a mirror dimension in this and is going to go after Sabrina. So I, I, this is a one shot, but I think it maybe sets the table a little bit more for this character they introduced like a year or two ago Cool to be more of a bad guy in, in a Sabrina book. So cool. if anything, just a fun, almost like Stepford wives kind of story where you go into mm-hmm. Riverdale and yeah. it's, 
so cheery and happy. It's idyllic. That you're like, something's amiss and creepy here. Yeah. And uh, Well, isn't like the main character of the book, like, she's heard of Riverdale and is like visiting. Yeah, she's coming to visit or coming to like see what it's all about, and yeah. then it's just like, whoa, there's holy like crap! One other, there's like one other person that's unaffected by the like charm that's been put on the on the town. It sounds dope. I would love if they would collect all of these. I was just going Archie to freaking say that. Just the one shots. Yeah, just put them in a big hardback. Yeah, and, and make it, it like a creepy. Yeah, hardback like a like a Creep necromancer. Show. Oh yeah, book. Yeah, the Book of the Dead. Mm-hmm. I I make it that... Jughead's face like stretched, <laughs> like the Necronomicon. Like Necronomicon. <laughs> I hope they still do. Not that I've I've been enjoying the one shots, but I really really loved the mini series they did like Vampironica. Oh yeah, and uh, like the Jughead, the Hunger. Yeah, Betty was a, a werewolf hunter. Yeah. Those were really fun. Blossom 666. Yeah, that that book was awesome. Did Cullen Bunn write that one? sure did. That was one of the better ones. Love us a good Cullen Bunn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I found out that some of the um, old Afterlife with Archie variants I have are worth like Mm -hmm. 40 bucks a piece. So if you've got, I I know you bought a lot of those, Greg, so you might want to. I think I have them all. Take a peeper at some of the if you have variants for some. I of them. have uh, Archie meets Kiss, all the Frank Cavilla oh, variants. Cool, yeah, and those go for a lot of money. Oh, nice! And it's just a funny series too. Yeah, <laughs> I have. I think my favorite Archie book that I have, even better than Archie versus Predator, is Archie versus Sharknado. Sharknado. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yep, it's Yeesh. awesome. They, I, I've said it a hundred times before. The complete lean into the absurd that Archie has done with the horror stuff was the best thing it could have done. Oh, yeah. At 100%. Totally. Chef's kiss. What did you think about Mark Wade's... Uh, was his What was his series called? Uh, Archie. Life with Archie. Or Ar- it, yeah, it was just Archie. That's right. Okay, Because, yeah. uh, uh, um, dang it, who did Saga? Val Staples. Yep. Fiona Staples. Fiona, Fiona Staples. Staples, yeah. Fiona Staples, Staples did the, the, art. the first... Uh, arc yeah. of the and it was it, it's so good it's so good it was it good okay yeah. I I didn't keep up with it because Chip Zdarsky did the Jughead series yeah yeah and it those tied into yeah. each other yeah. and Cinna Grace did the Jughead Time Cop book oh that's right yeah where like Jughead is like a a policeman through time okay but that's not related <laughs> no it is it, t- it ties into the regular slice of life book no but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, Ar- the Archie, whatever, hub. Yeah, they've they they've invested... done a good job in all arenas. Yes, saying. like yeah. they invested into these like really progressive and uh, like invested creators, and like the 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 world has seen a, a resurgence in yeah. my eyes. Like new people getting into Archie and like the the stupid shit that he fucking does. And I think all of this is like it would happen. It would have happened whether or not we got the Riverdale show or not. Yeah, because oh, they'd yeah. already taken that turn into the horror stuff. The horror stuff before that, and man, that show kind of like some sort miniseries that were a little more, like you said, slice of life things for the town. All right, we did it. I hope you had a spooky time with us this week if you want more spooky stuff go to patreon.com slash first issue club where we discuss uh 
a lot of scary movies on this week's Patreon. Oh, yeah, we did have a little bit of a horror movie combo. Uh, yeah. And uh, we got Planet Comic Con in Kansas City coming up in 2024 in March. Sure. Can't and, ever announce it too early. And well, <laughs> when I saw the of, announce- of early announcements, when I saw the announcements, I was like, "Oh my god, that's so far away." Still, <laughs> we we can plan our hotel stay. Yeah, uh, but Mark Wade was announced, so that'll be great. And Jimmy Palamadi is going to be there. Francis Manipool. Francis Manipool, and there will be many others to be announced uh, from here. We're hoping to. Well, we are planning some stuff with Boulevard Brewing Company to do some stuff for the cons. So expect First Issue Club. Exclusive content of Planet Comic Con, 25 years of comic fam- fabulousness. Right on. Uh, we're on all social medias. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Yep. First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Licktig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club. And check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club.